Welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's Thursday, September 17th, and today is another edition of Crossover Thursdays here on the Locked On Podcast Network. That means Cody Rourke of the Locked On Broncos will join me for a full show. In the first segment, I'll ask him questions about the Broncos. In the second segment, he'll ask me questions about the Steelers. We'll go back and forth talking about team strengths and weaknesses and how this will play into the game. In the third segment, we'll give our predictions, talk about how these two teams will mesh, and give you an outlook for what to expect on Sunday when these teams clash at Heinz Field. Today's episode is brought to you by Visa. Help support your local businesses. Whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops, local businesses have always been on your team, supporting you and your community. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses. And look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless Visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa, it's everywhere you want to be an official partner of the NFL. Let's get into it. All right, everyone, it is Crossover Thursday. I'm Chris Carter from the Locked On Steelers podcast. We've got Cody Work from the Locked On Broncos podcast. Steelers, Broncos, Heinz Field, this Sunday, it's going down. We're going to be talking, the two hosts of each team, going to ask each other questions over these, over these next couple, few segments here. Let's talk some football. First of all, Cody, how are you doing, my man? Hey, you know what? This is the first time you and I have jumped on a crossover. I love your energy, someone that matches just a level of oomph when you get into a podcast. I love it, man. I'm excited, man. Football is back. Both of the teams that we cover, they played on Monday night, so it was really interesting to kind of get a little bit of a scouting preview and then to see the Broncos play and they kind of compare the two. Yeah, it's got me in a little bit of a different perspective here, but obviously excited to break down this matchup with you here today before we get to the all the serious broncos talk i gotta ask you as a denver nuggets fan how does it feel right now my man it's good you know i think the the last time the nuggets made the western conference finals it was against the lakers back in 2009 and then previously 25 years prior to that it was against the lakers again so the third appearance for the nuggets in the conference finals and it's against the lakers so it's gonna be a tough task uh, but I think this Nuggets team has some kind of different element to them. I- I'm excited. Things are good right now in Denver. Uh, it's got to be a, p- a party for y'all. It's crazy. Y'all, y'all had to go up against Kobe the last time, and now LeBron this time. Y'all just can't get no luck. But let's let's get to talking about the football. Now, everyone knows in Pittsburgh, Von Miller is out for is, is out. You know, for the season. It's a tragedy. He's one of the greatest edge rushers of our generation. But now AJ Bouye is supposed to, is supposed to be out, according to Vic Fangio. Uh, where where do you think the head is of the heads are of the people on this defense? You see an, uh, an all pro player like Von Miller, an all pro player like AJ Bouye. Those are two big names gone, and they still got to find answers. Yeah, they they really do, and they're really going to rely a lot on safety Kareem Jackson. He he's really emerged for them at that position there. He's not your prototypical strong safety, but he p- comes downhill like a heat seeking missile. That's one thing. And also Alexander Johnson, who's really starting to become a name in the National Football League at the inside backer position. They're going to rely a lot on those guys, but also Justin Simmons as well, who he's playing on the franchise tag right now. His week one debut wasn't the sharpest. He had a couple mistakes in the back end of that secondary at the free safety position, but they they are very comfortable with the guys that they have right there. And obviously, you know, you have a veteran guy like Jarrell Casey on the defensive line to kind of be the voice of reason when things get a little hectic. I think the Broncos, you know, they're going to pick up from it on a leadership standpoint. But as you mentioned, you can't replace Von Miller. You can only hope to replicate some production there. A.J. Boye, obviously a big loss for this Broncos in the secondary. They're going to have to rely on some of the young guys now. 
they really are, you know, I, and I've, I've liked the safety position and the production, the, the things that I've seen out of Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson. Saw he was a coach, that Kareem Jackson was a coach's decision to take off. So hopefully he's back and ready to go later today on Thursday for, for practice. What is your take on how you've seen the guys at the defensive front? You guys got Jarrell Casey, the former Titan, Bradley Chubb, a guy that everyone's, everyone's been hyped about. I also liked Josie Jewell in, out of Iowa. I liked his, I liked his tape coming out of college. What have you seen on that on that, on that front group and what they've been doing on defense, uh, you know, through training camp and now through week one? They've definitely been different than what you've seen in the last couple of years. And I think that the Broncos have a great combination of guys who are strong, guys who are also fast. Uh, you, you factor in Jarrell Casey, a big physical guy who does have some agility to him in some way, the way he can move. Shelby Harris, who is an anchor that loves to get pushed into the backfield. And then Mike Purcell, who's a really big guy. He plugs up as a nose tackle and a zero tech, a one tech, or a two tech. And he does a really good job at that. Uh, you know, I'd say outside of that, and they, the, the backers behind them, Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell, they uh, they really impressed me on Monday night. Josie Jewell has been battling injuries his rookie season last year. Uh, fully healthy right now, and he looked good on Monday night against the Titans. And and really, the, Derrick Henry had a 100-yard rushing game, but it was it was really hard for him. He had over 30-plus carries to be able to get to that 100-yard threshold. The Broncos' defensive line, they, they didn't make it easy on him, and uh, you know he's feeling it. And the Broncos' D-line, they're going to have a, a little bit of a tough task this week going against Ben Roethlisberger. So I, I think that they have a, a unit that can put things together, but I think generally you know, you're going to still have some young guys rotating in there. We're going to see how those guys mix in. Certainly, but I'd be remiss if we didn't just go all out and talk about the Broncos offense because I like a lot of what I've seen of Drew Locke. I think that he's a good guy. You know, you heard, oh, it was a Mel Kuyper talk on the ESPN draft about every day. He used to, he used to be hyping on Drew Locke was his guy. Drew Locke was his guy. And, and I, I got to admit, I liked what I saw of, of Drew, Drew Locke outside of him quoting Young Jeezy on the sideline, which was pretty dope to, to watch uh, the clips of that. But, you know, but he's got he's got some weapons here. Philip Lindsay's on the injury report. He's questionable right now. You got Melvin Gordon as, as the official starter. But uh, Cortland Sutton, 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 he's he's su- suffering a, a shoulder injury right now. Jerry Judy's there. He's the high pick. You got Noah Fant there. He's the high pick. The pick that the Broncos actually traded with the Steelers to for the Steelers to give up uh, to get to get De- Devin Devin Bush. Uh, Fant was taken with the pick they got from that. You got Jake Butt from Michigan and a former Steeler and Nick Vanette at the tight end position. What's your feeling on on how and also former Steeler Deontay Spencer? What's your feeling about um, about this Broncos offense? And the chemistry that it's had, I mean, it's, it seems unfair to the young quarterbacks like Drew Locke, who didn't get a, didn't get a, a training camp, a regular training camp, didn't get a preseason, didn't get a mini camp. And they're asking to just, hey, mold all this together. Yeah, you know, the experience, I think that, you know, Locke has the chemistry that you mentioned. He's got that with Cortland Sutton. He's got that with Noah Fant. It's still a work in progress with these other guys. Now, Tim Patrick, Deshaun Hamilton, they have it with that as well. But uh, and overall, when you talk about guys, impact players on the field, Jerry Judy, they're still working out some of the kinks there. Great route runner there. The Broncos are expected to get K.J. Hamler back this week for the Pittsburgh Steelers, a, a very, very fast physical threat. Obviously, you know, being in the state of Pennsylvania and having those Steelers ties, everyone knows about K.J. Hamler. So this is going to be a homecoming for him. He's going to be excited to return to the home state of Pennsylvania, and his speed is ridiculous. But it's going to take some time. This is a young offense, and luckily I think that to help bridge the gap throughout the season, Lindsey will be out of this game against the Steelers. He's going to be out for at least two to three weeks. So you're going to see Melvin Gordon and Royce Freeman getting a bulk of the load, and even Levante Bellamy could be called up from the practice squad. Uh, but outside of that, the one thing you are going to see is just this offense going through some of the growing pains 
early on. And I think that's something that's going to be storyline for at least the first five weeks for this Broncos young offense. I'm, I'm right. I'm right with you there. Um, cause I'm concerned about a few things for, for the young offense. Cause again, when you, when you got a young quarterback, um, you, you, you look at the situation that they got to go through and the adjustments they got to make, but what you also have some young offensive linemen, Lloyd Cushenberry, the third, who Steelers fans, you, if you listen to the show all through the draft, you heard me praise that guy a whole lot from his time at LSU. Um, but you know, you're looking at a young offensive line, um, how did how did you see how they performed so far? They didn't they didn't give up any sacks last week to the Titans that I saw, but at the same time, you know this is a Steelers pass rush that's led the NFL in sacks for uh, for three straight seasons, which is an unprecedented uh, uh, streak in with that statistic. Uh, well, yeah, you know I think you uh, you know that perfectly. Uh, the one thing that stands out to me when it comes to the Broncos' offensive line, is that this game against Tennessee, they, you know, they were pretty good. They didn't give up any sacks. There was one sack, and it was really because Drew Locke bobbled a snap, and he had to get on the ground and protect it, and he got wrapped up. That was the only sack there. I was relatively pleased with how the Broncos' offensive line played, especially Garrett Bowles against Jadavian Clowney. However, I think it's a different animal. As you mentioned, the Steelers, they, they've had the NFL-leading pass rush for the last three seasons, and what I saw on Monday night against the New York Giants, look, it's going to be a tough test because – and I'm going to get into that when I ask you some Steelers questions, but between Bud Dupree and also TJ Watt, it's it's going to be tough. And also that defensive interior, the linebackers, when they decide to blitz them, if they go four-man blitz, five-man blitz, it's going to be a variety of different players with different skill sets, some combination of size and speed. The Broncos are going to have to account for that, especially some of the stunts that the Steelers are going to throw at them. This is going to be a good measuring test, in my opinion, for the Broncos' offensive line. Not, not that Tennessee wasn't. It's just Tennessee was a different animal. The Broncos were able to run the ball but not in the goal line. They really stymied up there. So against an actual pass rush, that to me, I think is going to be the biggest measure for Denver. Absolutely. Before we cut to our first break, we got to talk to you about our sponsor, CBDMD. It doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair like me. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. CBD Recover uh, combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of, top, of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering all our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code LOCKEDONNFL at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code LOCKEDONNFL to get your 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. We'll be back right after this. Jumping back into the conversation here with Chris Carter, Locked On Steelers host. We love Crossover Thursday. Whether you're a Broncos fan listening, whether you're a Steelers fan listening, we got a lot of insight to help prepare you for Sunday's kickoff for you in the Mountain Time Zone. It's going to be 11 a.m., so the early game for the Denver Broncos and for Pittsburgh Steelers fans they are used to playing at this time outside of primetime. Uh, so we, we just got done breaking down a little bit about the Broncos, the young offense, some of the defensive pieces that they have here in Vic Fangio's second year. Now we got to focus on the Pittsburgh Steelers 
a lot of questions. And I think that it really starts off with Mike Tomlin, who has been a very, very important part of the Steelers culture. He's been a very, very vocal part of some of the comments. You know, I think over the years he's fallen under some fire because of Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger goes down last year, and the Steelers go through a variety of ups and downs with quarterbacks. Now Roethlisberger is back. It almost feels a little bit normal, I think, for Pittsburgh Steelers fans. And what we saw from him on Monday night, he looked like his old self a little bit. Now I think there's some question about can he consistently throw that deep ball now? How much you know of, of uh, how much pressure is that going to put on his elbow, on his arm? I think we're going to see him open things up here. But overall, initially, you know, Chris, what were your thoughts from Monday night for the Steelers' offense with Ben returning into the lineup? Well, for sure, there were definitely there were definitely some questions about that um, here in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, some of the reporters that were at the game uh, tweeted out like, "Oh, we see Mason Rudolph warming up on the sidelines," and there was a panic that went through the city. They're like, "Oh my God, no, 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 we can't have that." But it was really funny to, to see that happen on social media. Uh, but Ben Roethlisberger looked fine, and everything. You, if if you're a Broncos fan, and you haven't heard this, or if you're a Steelers fan, you haven't listen to me when I talked about this, there's been a whole YouTube four-part documentary series that you can go on YouTube, watch for free called Bigger Than Ben. And it was, it's about his, his recovery. They did it in four parts of like 10 minute episodes. It's a really cool watch that pieces together, you know, his injury, how he initially took it, the surgery, the rehab, and you know, the training, all the things that went into it. Um, and Ben Roethlisberger looks ready, uh, they, they, but the Steelers, even with all the things that are right, like he's been saying like since March, I'm ready to go, put me in, let's do this. The Steelers are like, hey, we have UPMC doctors, that's University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, they're a big deal, um, but th- we have UPMC doctors, they're going to take their time with your rehab, and that's what you saw on, on, Monday, on Monday, uh, Monday Night Football. They came out, I think it was the first six possessions, the Steelers ran the ball on every first down available because they wanted to ease him back into it, and then... After Ben Roethlisberger threw his first touchdown pass, that's when you saw them start to open up the offense. Then they went to a two-minute drill. He walked them down the field, scored a touchdown in, in a less than a minute and 30 seconds. Um, and you saw that break out. And then in the second half, you saw him step out. What I've said from the jump is that Ben's not going to be asked to throw for 5,000 yards again. That's not what they're going to be asking him to do. They're going to ask him to be efficient. And he was efficient in week one. Three touchdowns, no interceptions, a little over 200 yards. That's all they need because this defense is what they want to win their games by. They uh, they run a little bit of a formula right now that reminds me a lot of the Broncos in 2015. Mm-hmm. You, you talk about a ball control defense, getting a running game going, and also when you're asked to pass, you're efficient. He was 21 to 32, uh, over 200 something yards, of three touchdowns. They said he was efficient in those opportunities, specifically on those deep outs or the deep comebacks. He loves to throw that, especially to a Deontay Johnson. Now I'm focused here on the offense. We talked about Ben Roethlisberger here. James Conner goes out with an injury, and obviously, you know, not knowing what the status is as of today. I know Roethlisberger didn't practice yesterday. Same thing with Pouncey. We know that they're dealing with some injuries. Zach Banner out for the year with a torn ACL. What are your thoughts right now on really on the offensive line and where James Conner is at? Because the offensive line is so important for helping get in the run game going. What are your uh, you know status updates on the, on obviously the offensive line and, and James Conner? So a few things. So okay, offensive line updating because there were already a lot of changes going into Monday night's game. Alejandro Villanueva and Marquise Pouncey were the two mainstay starters. David DeCastro was would be the third, but he didn't practice much through training camp. He's been dealing with a nagging calf injury. The Steelers won't say a whole lot about what that's about, so we don't know about his status. He didn't practice again on Wednesday. We'll see if he does on Thursday, but. Uh, the, the the two main things that the Steelers were looking at was, okay, 
Matt Fowler moving to left guard. How is he going to perform? He, he was the team's right tackle last year. He moved to left guard to replace the recently retired Ramon Foster. He played well. They're, they like him. But Zach Banner won the right tackle position. Excuse me. The right tackle position in you know in training camp, albeit very closely with Chakuma Okorafor, who's going to take that. And actually, Broncos fans, if you go back and watch when uh, when the Steelers played the Broncos last, he started his first NFL start against them, and he gave up one sack to Von Miller, but ultimately looked decent. He's a third. He's a third round pick from Western Michigan. Decent player. The only reason that I've heard that, that Zach Banner won over him because Zach Banner was mostly healthy through training camp and a core four missed a few practices. So Banner got the edge there. So now a core four is the guy at right tackle, but at right guard, if DeCastro isn't good to go, they're going to be asking Stefan Wisniewski, a local Pittsburgh hometown product um, to step in. But there's questions about his pectoral muscles. They, they said he might've torn them. If he is, he's out for the season, but there's there, they haven't confirmed that he's out for the season. So we'll see how he is. If he's not there, you're going to be asking rookie fourth-round draft pick Kevin Dotson to fill in, who looked really good in camp, but that's a tall order for your second game in your NFL career to become a starter. So lots of questions on the offensive line as far as the continuity goes. The, the Steelers are, are going to try, and they, they've already said, hey, we're comfortable with a core four being there, but we do need to work really hard if Kevin Dotson has to be ready. We'll see how that goes with the Thursday numbers in practice. But James Conner, He's a guy that Pittsburgh has loved for years. And if you do, if you don't know the story of James Conner, he you know he's he's a he's a Pennsylvania product. Went to the University of Pittsburgh, was a star and a Heisman candidate. And then he on he he suffered a horrible ACL injury his junior year. And then after suffering that, he was diagnosed with cancer, and it became a huge story across Pittsburgh because he tried to work through it. He went through chemotherapy beat cancer was practicing through it and was an inspiration to cancer survivors and people who are, who are fighting for fighting against cancer um, across the country. Then the Steelers drafted him. So we got to stay and, you know, at home, play at Heinz field, do that and became a hero for the Steelers in 2018 when Le'Veon Bell didn't show up. Now James Conner, unfortunately has become injury prone and it's not, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a stretch to say that when you look at his time in Pittsburgh, he was hurt at the end of his rookie season. He missed like several games at the end of his second year season. He was hurt several times last year. And now through one game he's hurt already and, and there's ankle issues. So there's questions there. And Benny Snell in his first game of rushing for a hundred over a hundred yards looked good. Uh, and that was the guy they drafted last year to take over the running back spot. If Connor went down. So that all looked like it played out well, but I'm hearing from Dale Lolly, who's our beat writer at DKPittsburghSports.com. He's been covering the Steelers for like 30 years. He's telling me he gets the feeling that Connors might be back this weekend because he sees he got to see him a little bit in practice. Um, and, and even though he wasn't practicing, he said the way he was moving seemed a little, you know, to give him some confidence there. So lots of injury questions on offense. Uh, but I, I really think the depth at running back is fine. They drafted Anthony McFarland, who they, I think they'll be excited to bring into the fold at some point. Um, they really liked him through training camp. And uh, the offensive line, that is the big question. With a core four there at right tackle, does Kevin Dotson have to play at right guard? That could you know, offer some challenges that the Steelers' offensive line has to go through and uh, give the, the, the Denver's uh, Broncos front a chance to kind of wreak havoc and uh, get after Roethlisberger. Well, the Broncos, you know, not only just going to have to account for that in the running back in the backfield, Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, and even Chase Claypool. I was really impressed with the Steelers there. I know there's always a lot of discussion around Juju Smith-Schuster. He's a, he's a very phenomenal player, makes a lot of plays, and then he gets under the scrutiny of, of critics on the outside because, you know, he does have a bad play every once in a while. It happens in the NFL, but I love Juju Smith-Schuster's attitude. You know, a lot of respect from a guy who, who plays, you know, in the secondary, a guy who studies defensive backs and wide receivers for a living. 
I have a lot of respect for Juju Smith-Schuster, the way that he carries himself. But I want to talk about the defense now because, look, this is the story. This is the strength, in my opinion. When I go through and I watch the film, we still haven't gotten the All-22, by the way, but watching the at? game broadcast. Well, we love Roger Goodell. We love Gatecast, though. We really do, man. But, you know, Roger Goodell's got to get on that. But watching the broadcast again, I watched the game three times, uh, Steelers versus the Giants, and that defense is just they're, – they're very aggressive. They're very swarmy. You got Joe Hayden. He's going to probably cover Cortland Sutton if he plays. If not, you can expect to see him on Jerry Judy. Uh, I imagine as well, too, Mika Fitzpatrick's going to lurk around inside the slot. He's going to creep up a little bit there. You're going to see that. But the real story of this team, look, Devin Bush evolving right now, but it's the pass rushers, Bud Dupree, TJ Watt. And here's where I really get into my film study. The things that they do to get to the quarterback, you know, it, 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 it's very effective because they have the guys to do it. The one thing you do is you rush the tackle. You cross face with the tackle across the center's face. You do a tackle and twist. Yep. And then you also bring in Watt off the edge, Bud Dupree off the edge. And then there's times where the defensive linemen, they will crash out. And then Watt and Dupree will crash inside to get that inside leverage. They have a great combination there. And TJ Watt, I mean, just playing at a ridiculous level, being able to get his hands up, intercept at the line of scrimmage. Yep. He is a jack-of-all-trades, and it's going to be a big test for this Broncos defense. What are your thoughts on that pass rush so far early on, You know, even after week one, and how do you project it to be throughout the season? I project this to be the best front four in the NFL. I've been saying that for a while because on top of TJ Watt and Bud Dupree, Cam Hayward is a first-team all-pro interior defensive lineman. Um, he... Uh, right now, uh, last year, the way that he played, the last couple of years, the way he's played, the only per defensive tackle that I think is has played better than him is Aaron Donald, who's the best defensive player in the league. He's been unstoppable. Uh, Cam Hayward, also a, a local Pittsburgh guy. He was born and raised here. Um, but uh, but and next to him is Stephon Tewitt, who last year, through five games, had three and a half sacks. He had a sack last night, or not last night, on Monday night. Um, and uh, he, he, you know, the, this is a, this is a, this is four wrecking balls we're talking about up front. Hayward and Tuit just cause so many problems and regularly attract double teams in games. But TJ Watts, another guy, you gotta honor him because if you don't, he's gonna blow you away. He can explode past you. He can rip through you. He can use his strength, use his quickness, and he's getting better each year. I've been watching him all, all four of his years. Every training camp, he's working on something else and he's improving something else. And he just looks like he, he looks like he's, you know, the essence of the Watt family. J.J. Watt was a three time, uh, you know, defensive MVP. Now you got T.J. Watt. He's, he's trying to make a push to get one of those himself. Uh, and on the other side of the ball, Bud Dupree, a guy who for years people called a bust. They said he wasn't this. He wasn't that. He is so explosive. He's playing with his speed. He's allowed to go to his strengths. And now you're seeing that chemistry work because now as an offensive line, if I drop back five guys, and in, in that first game, the Steelers got three sacks in unconventional ways. Two, it had one where they kind of chased down um, Daniel Jones, who tried to scramble away. Um, you had Mike Hilton, a cornerback blitz. He does that a lot. And Vince Williams, an inside linebacker blitz where they kind of overloaded the line. But the Steelers said after the game, and I kind of noted this in my breakdowns, was that against the Giants, they admitted our keys were to stop Saquon Barkley. And that was it. And, and now, yes, it's Melvin Gordon. But he ain't the threat that Saquon Barkley can be, and I think they're going to be keying off on the pass rush. The Broncos have to really communicate well because what the what the Giants also did a lot through that the Monday night game, they max protected. They would leave in a tight end and a running back, and they would just run three guys and just hope for the best. Um, if the Broncos do that, that's fine, but this is also a Steelers secondary that's really confident. Like you said, Joe Hayden, five interceptions last year. Mika Fitzpatrick, five interceptions last year. Steven Nelson had looked all good last year. Mike Hilton, a really good slot cornerback. Terrell Evans, a decent safety who led the Steelers in tackles on Monday night. 
Devin Bush playing over the middle. They've got pieces. If the Broncos are going to attack the Steelers, their best chance is to go after Terrell Edmonds, see if they can, if, if Drew Locke can dink and dunk, get some plays and break some and break some plays out. But uh, you do not want to get into a situation where you're playing from behind, you're dropping back, having to wait for routes to develop, and then that allows the Steelers defense to just pin their ears back and go. Because like you said, they love those stunt twists, they love to crash the line, and they have that chemistry in place. And the, those four guys being healthy, they become the biggest nightmare up front in the league. Well, if you're a Broncos fan, and if you're a Steelers fan, you're getting a lot of insight from Chris Carter, and if you're a Steelers fan, you're getting a lot of insight from me about what you can expect from each team, for what you can expect from the Broncos, what you can expect from the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're going to continue this conversation. We're getting to some predictions coming up here in just a moment. But before we do that, let's talk to about let's talk to you guys about NFL Game Pass. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass filled session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. We'll be back right after this. All right, we're back here. It's time to go about our predictions here on Crossover Thursday. Chris Carter here with Cody Work. Cody. The Broncos came off a tough loss on Monday Night Football. They were they were really pushing it um, against the Titans, a team that made it to the AFC Championship game last year. Um, wanted to get more of your thoughts coming out of that game and what you think they're going to be able to do this game against the Steelers. Yeah, one thing that stood out to me is Tennessee did a great job on Monday night of really just utilizing the run game and also the play action. I mean, it's the Ryan Tannehill bread and butter offense right now. He was great. His pass rating off of play action was great. But when he dropped back regularly in shotgun, he just didn't have the same exact production. The thing that worried me about Monday night a little bit is, and look, this goes to Mike Rabel, great job by him and his coaching staff. But they made the Broncos really respect their multi-dynamicness there. And what I mean by that, out of 11 personnel, you gotta you gotta come up in uh, in the box against a guy like Derrick Henry, and you gotta be able to try to stop the run first. That's where the play action comes in, and that's where the Broncos just you know those dink and dunk, those crossing patterns. They get you to cross up, and, and especially against zone coverage, right in front of different zones. And so you have to communicate, as you mentioned, is key for the Broncos' offense. But defensively, they got to do a better job communicating on some of those switches on crossing patterns because that's where the Broncos really got hurt. Um, I think this Broncos team, look, it's first game, and same for the Steelers. I, I made this analogy, and I believe it to be true. Teams that have been playing together that have had a unit that are returning a lot of pieces, like the Steelers defensively, Steelers even on offense as well, returning a lot of players who've played with each other already versus teams that are, are young and inexperienced like the Broncos offense. They don't have a lot of guys that have played together too much and also new pieces on the defensive side of the ball and a lot of young guys now. I think that those those experienced teams are going to have the benefit. I think that's what we saw. No preseason. I think every NFL team would have benefited from one or two preseason matchups. But for the Broncos, I think Monday night was a good test. And, and a lot of people are saying, oh, they lost to the Titans. But here's the deal. The Titans were in the AFC Championship last year. They returned a lot of those key pieces, minus you know losing a couple guys in the secondary. But outside of that, they played stingy on defense. They added Jadavian Clowney. I think the Broncos are going to continue to build 
But look, this is going to be a big test for this Broncos team. I think the Steelers just, they, they have a lot of firepower offensively. They have a lot of firepower defensively. Guys are going to get in your face. I want to see how this young team responds. I think it's going to be a challenge. Uh, and whether or not the Broncos rise up to it, I think it's going to be predetermined in the first half. I agree. It's There's going to be a lot of things that happen in the first half that kind of dictate the flow of this game. I want to see how how some of the younger Broncos, like Lloyd Cushenberry III on the offensive line, how he deals with with, with those challenges. Um, I want to see how Noah Fant and, you know, develops his chemistry with Drew Locke. When you look at how the Broncos are constructed right now, I agree. They need to be able to, like, you know, communicate on offense and on defense. One thing that the Steelers were able to do, the Giants especially, and I broke this down in my Carter's Classroom column on DKPittsburghSports.com, was that uh, Juju Smith-Schuster's route running is on another level right now. People were downing him last year because the Steelers went eight and six with backup quarterbacks and he didn't have a good, have good numbers and nobody really had good receiving numbers with uh, Devlin Hodges and Mason Rudolph. But you saw in the first game, six targets, six catches, 69 nice yards for two touchdowns. Um, he played, he played really well and he also recovered a huge fumble for the team. I just, I look at that and with AJ Bouye being back, I mean, those two have a history when they, when, when AJ Bouye was with the Jaguars, Juju Smith-Schuster played him three times in two years, and there was back and forth. Those guys would go at it. And I was really looking forward to that matchup. But with him gone, you're in a situation where you're like, okay, now you got Devontae Harris, you got Bryce Callahan. Um, you know, there's there's questions there that you that, that you that you gotta go over. Uh, to me, that is that is a saving grace for the Steelers because Ben Roethlisberger kind of gets another chance to kind of just set it, get set himself. Get, get get used to things and continue to develop, you know, his recovery into the NFL and against a young quarterback going against the Steelers defense. I think too many of these things play into the Steelers hands um, for this way. I, I have the Steelers winning. I think it's going to be a murky score, like 27 to like, you know, 13, 17, something on those lines. But I think the Broncos pop off some big plays, but the Steelers, they do enough of their own to kind of, you know, keep the, keep the game in, in hand for them. Uh, late in late in the in the second half, I would say that's fairly accurate in terms of where I'm thinking. I I just think that this Broncos team is really young and and they can't make the same mistakes that they did against an experienced Pittsburgh team like they did on Monday night. And that to me I think is going to factor a lot into it. If Cortland Sutton could play, that's a great addition back for the Broncos offense. If they could get you know the Melvin Gordon going a little bit more, if he could hold on to the football, then I think they're going to be fine. Reducing turnovers, reducing jobs, and, and obviously converting on third down. They were three of nine. On third down, it's going to be a big test for this Broncos offense. Uh, I I just see, I just think that Pittsburgh is favored in this game because they are more experienced and I think they're more ready. I think they just have the the, the more ready talent right now. I think the Broncos have a lot of potential, a lot of untapped talent on the youth side of things. But I think that experience always trumps that, and I do think that that's where Pittsburgh comes in. I think that Pittsburgh is going to win this game, but I do think that this game against Pittsburgh for Denver, I think is going to be a great learning lesson. I think it's going to be something that will propel them this season. Great stuff there, Cody. Thanks so much for doing the show with you. It's a lot of fun doing these crossover Thursdays. I'm Chris Carter from Locked On Steelers. He's Cody Rourke from Locked On Broncos. You've been listening to the crossover Thursdays here on the Locked On Podcast Network. If you're enjoying the shows, please leave a five-star review for us on Apple Podcasts as well as a positive comment. Even if you've already done so, doing so again really helps us. We actually jumped up to be ranked 65th on all Apple football podcasts recently. That's the highest I've ever seen us since I've been on the show. 
Great stuff there. Thank you for all y'all hard work to help it help us get higher. If you want to help us, please leave your five-star review and a positive comment. And doing so, we'll get you a shout-out on the show like it will for this guy. Andy PGH leaves us a five-star review and says, No podcast is better. I listen to it every day. I have listened to multiple Locked On podcasts, and this is by far the best one. I love Tony's Tuesdays, and you make things fun. For uh, fun things and other hosts don't think of. I live in Pittsburgh and I'm a diehard Steelers fan. This podcast just helps me understand the Steelers more. Andy, thanks so much. Salute to you for the five-star review. If you want your shout-out, please leave it on Apple Podcasts. It really helps out the show. If you want more of me, you can find me at DKPittsburghSports.com. We have the DK Steelers podcast there as well where I talk with Dale Lolly. We also have all the things that I'm writing, some college classroom where I break down film. I covered the University of Pittsburgh there. You can also follow me on Twitter at Carter Critiques. If you follow me, I'll follow you back. Hit me with an at, hit me with a DM. Always down to chat with you. Thanks too mu- so much to everyone who reaches out all the time. Back in your ears tomorrow with Friday, previewing the game. See you then.